On today's episode, Dave interviews Josh Funk. Josh is the Artistic Director of Second City Los Angeles Training Center, a cast member of the all-Detroit improv group, The 313. He's also a composer on Key and Peele, and a cast member traveling with Jim Belushi in the Chicago Board of Comedy. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. L.A. is kind of different than a lot of the rest of the country, as far as... You know, I, go, I went back to Detroit. You know, you could still get a, a house in Detroit for like $20,000. Jesus Christ, I know. <laughs> I, I was mean, a mansion. Yeah. Like, I, I was driving through, when I was there, I was there for the Improv Fest, and I was driving through there, and I was looking at houses thinking, I could live here. I could live here. Yeah. And, and that was during the day, so I don't know what it was like, like on, at night. Could I go, yeah, I could live here during the night, at night. Do you think about it? You don't think about going back, you Naima. No, two I kids. mean, some, I miss our families. That's about it. Right. You know, my family's in Chicago. Her family's in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. And it would be nice to have family. But career-wise, I just can't see myself moving back there. No. I don't know what I'd do. I don't know what I would do either. I, I think about going to Chicago because I love Chicago so much. And I, I, don't, I don't know what I would do back there. I, I think I, I would probably start a theater company, which you've already done. Right. You've opened up with the Planet Ant, right? Right. We just celebrated our 20th anniversary. Right. Right. And, and so you've done that. Yeah. And, and you're still running, you're still the AD yeah. of the, of the uh, uh, Second City L.A., so you're, you've done all that already. Right. And what you're out here to do is with that which you haven't done yet. Is that right? That's right. Which is more TV and film. Right. You know, I just, I, 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 uh, I, uh, I have to keep reminding myself of that because I keep getting tempted to, to not do that. What does that mean? Well, you know, just keep getting tempted to do, to take work or do work that, that isn't TV and film and, it, and then I realize... I put all my energy into this other thing, and, and I didn't put any energy into getting another gig in the TV I film industry. totally understand what you're talking about, because that's really, I think that that's, what, that's why I'm doing what it is that I'm doing, because I found myself, kept, I found that I kept getting work in that other thing. Right. And then when you keep getting work in that other thing, you go, oh, this is cool. Then you go, why, why, am I, why did I first come out here? But I get it. I get it. I... And yet, I love doing those other things. I do. Yeah, me too. Most definitely. But I, I certainly get a little bit, um, I get uneasy when I'm, I find myself doing the same thing over and over again. Right. You know, I, 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 creatively uneasy. Right. You know, like I, I just don't feel like I'm, if I'm not getting excited artistically, creatively about mm-hmm. what I'm doing, then, then I really lose interest and really feel like, eh, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. You know? And particularly when it takes you away from family. Well, right, yeah. That's a game changer, right. having a family. I mean, it makes you totally rethink your priorities and what you're doing with your time and how Everything. much money you're making. Right, right. And Naima's working. Yeah, she's working. I'm not but saying she's working and nothing to worry about. I'm just saying yeah, she's working. She's working, but she certainly does the lion's share of work with the kids. I mean, she spends 95% of the time taking care of the kids while I'm out working. And it's been amazing to be able to ha- to, to not have to have a nanny or a daycare center or anything right. like that with the kids. That's another thing, growing up, like having the nanny thing and everything seems different than when, we, than when I grew up. Yeah. Mom was home or, until I was in third grade and then she went, she got to, she went to work. Right. There's very few single-income families. 
I mean, it just doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't exist. Is that is that worldwide? I mean, did we live in a part? Did we live in in a world that was different than the other parts of the world? And what I mean when I say that is, was it an American phenomenon that the mother worked or the father worked and the mother stayed at home, or was it a worldwide phenomenon? Because it seems like worldwide. I don't know. I don't know where there's just a one-income family anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah, it it really does. I I don't know either, and and uh, it's too bad because. You know, when you do the math, you know, whenever whenever Naima gets approached with a gig, we always have to go, okay, well, how much would it cost to get a babysitter for that amount of time versus how much are you going to make on the gig? Right. And if it's like, well, after we pay the babysitter and after we do the gig, we're making $20, it's like, <laughs> well, we just made $20 to be away from our children for the entire day. Right. So we don't take the gig. And because you don't take the gig... There are gigs that are associated with that gig that you might not be getting too. Probably. And I'm not. I'm not going. What the fuck are you doing? I'm just saying, that's the way that it goes. You have to constantly be making decisions, right. prioritizing. Right. I'm just. I'm. I'm just so glad we waited till later in our marriage and in our life to have kids, because I feel like if I had done this in my 20s or early 30s even, mm-hmm. it would have been a much more difficult decision to turn down all the work that we've been turning down. Sorry. It's all right. And, uh, wow, a lot. And uh, Right. right. Because like right. you said, like once you get older and you've done a bunch of stuff, it's easier to say no. Because mm-hmm. you're just like, ah, I've done that. But there's so many things that when I was in my 20s, I hadn't done yet. And I would have been, it would have been heartbreaking to say no to them. You know? Right. Uh, how was the thing in Vegas? Did you do oh, that? Yeah. Is that over? This weekend. Well, I tour with Jim Belushi pretty much almost every weekend. And so that was just our gig last weekend. Because mm-hmm. uh, I just saw it. I just checked it out that it's you and who else? Larry Campbell. Larry Campbell. Uh, Mel- Megan, Megan Grano, Grano. Brad Morris. Right. Is John it? Barinholtz and Rob Belushi. Right. And right. you're directing it. I'm directing and I'm in it. And you're in it. Yeah. And that, that's a Vegas thing. No, that's a that's a all over the country thing. I just saw yeah. Vegas. Okay, you're yeah, in yeah. We just did Vegas. Vegas last weekend. But, right. Uh, yeah, I've been working for Jim for like a year and a half now, and and uh, we tour almost every weekend. We took the summer off, but yeah, it's all over the country, every city you can imagine. Uh huh. And it's a, it's a blast. It's great because it's we're doing short form improv. Mm-hmm. And, Was it uh, games? Games. Yeah. That's it. Just games. Just yeah. games. I mean, we, we make up some new games and stuff like that, but it's just short form, yeah. Right. And that's what you're doing. And you're going and doing an hour show? Hour 15. An hour 15 show. Yeah. You're flying into the Murmur Center, mm-hmm. right? Right. And you're taking suggestions yeah. during the show. Short form games. And it's short form games. That's it. It's that's so crazy, simple. Josh. It's so fun and stupid and ridiculous <laughs> and it's just it, and and it's jim is like the headliner he's the he's the name that sells all the tickets right. and and then uh, he, it's called jim belushi and the chicago board of comedy right and, and he he starts and he does like maybe five or ten minutes of stand-up mm-hmm. and then we all come out on stage and then it's just you know every every time we do a show we'll backstage and i'll say Right, let's start with option, and maybe we'll do a Dr. Know-It-All, and I'll take that back. And... <laughs> and that's all. That's it. That's crazy. And the reason I'm saying that's crazy is it's just so ridiculously simple. Yeah. Well, it, you know, I mean, short form has got a huge appeal. I mean, people just love it. It's like candy. Right, exactly. You know? Right. I, and I, we've, we've done some longer, slower, organic scenes, but they just, you know, like... 
when you're in those 700 to 1,000 seat venues, they they just don't have the patience for it. Right. I, I feel like it's it's a different medium. You know? I think that the need to have patience for it is, a, 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 how can I say this? There's, I think people, I have a feeling that that's, there's going to be a time where someone will watch a two act, and I know that TJ and Dave are doing it to a certain extent. Someone will watch, there will be a time where someone will watch a two act long form show, but it's not right now. I think that people are getting more used to that mm -hmm. and I think there are a group of people that are now acting and not just doing, I'm not saying not just, not just doing that short form because that, I feel like that short form is candy. It is candy. And yet, if there's 700 people coming to the candy, can't we get 500 people to come to something that the is... Steak. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Something that's, that's less of like, here's a bowl full of this and here's a bowl full of that. Well, you know, I always think of it like music. And I always think... You know, long form is like jazz, and short form is like pop. Right. And it, and no matter you know, you notice that when you go to see a lot of jazz concerts, almost the entire audience is other jazz musicians. Right. And it's because I think, you know, it becomes, uh, and I don't mean to say this in a negative way, but it becomes a little bit indulgent, self-indulgent with improvisers when you you get so inside of the art form and you you don't need that constant uh, suggestion taking to feel engaged in what's happening on the stage that you can actually go, oh, I, I've been an improviser for a long time. I know what they're doing. And right. it's, it's awesome. Right. But to a normal person, they feel like, I gave a suggestion a half an hour ago. What's going on oh, here? Oh, boy. Right. It's that instant gratification, I think. Uh, yeah. And for me, for me, I look at it and I go, I've done that. I don't want to do that anymore. That's just me. Right. And um, I don't, I don't mind doing it, but I feel, I feel as though I got to get more out of it. And I don't know what that is. If that's, if that's a, a, a matter of getting older or a matter of wanting to challenge myself. We were talking about being challenged earlier. The idea of I mostly improvise. That's what I do. I don't do TV and I don't do film and I don't, mm -hmm. I don't even do commercials anymore because I'm on the road so much that I feel like I need something more. Mm -hmm. And it's that challenge of doing those scenes, those longer scenes, that I get something out of. Oh, most definitely. I mean, it, it, there, I get, I get way more art creatively out of doing a long form set in front of five people right. in the audience than doing a short form set in front of seven hundred. Uh, but I get paid a lot more to do the right, short form right, in front right, of the seven hundred right. people. So right. again, it's I'm like, not knocking the short form because I think, and for those people who don't know, but short short form is uh, you get a suggestion. It's a shorter scene. It's more of a game. It's very focused. Mm -hmm. Long form is uh, can meander at times. It certainly is uh, more about characters and scene work, and it's more of a of a, of a longer play. Uh, or a pl you're playing longer, and it seems to be a play. Um, but absolutely, and the moment that money comes involved, it's a very different ball game. Yeah, um, you know, we try and do little short form elements, uh, long form elements inside a short form every now and then, like you know, nightmare, right. that, that game, right, or, where you take somebody's day and turn it into a nightmare. Yeah, and then right. you just kind of string it out a little bit, right? You know, some longer spot scenes. But again, like uh, creatively, I always have to if if I'm caught in a position where I'm at conflict with what am I artistically interested in and what is financially necessary for me to survive and pay for my family to live, 
then I always have to find ways to get artistically off in those shows. Right. You know? But you're also lucky because you have 313, which is the, the, That's right. that group that you, you've got. Uh, Naima, Funk Mary Beth Monroe, Andy Cobb, um, uh, Keegan when he can, right? <laughs> Right, that's very rare these days. Uh, and Mark Evan Jackson. Uh, am I leaving anybody out? And Larry Campbell. Larry Campbell and Warzeka at Jane times. Moyer, Warzeka, Sam. We've we've kind of opened the gate floodgates right. at this point. So now it's a lot of these Detroit alums. But I'm watching you guys. When I saw you guys at the, you weren't there. Were you there? Of course you were there at the at the Improv Fest in Texas. Dallas. Uh, yeah, I think um, Mary Beth two was times ago. One. I think I wasn't at the one this year. You weren't at the one. Oh, I thought was it the what city was it in? Uh, Dallas. No, I wasn't at the one this year. But the work that you guys do, I mean, even if you weren't there, Jamie was there, and that is so, it's so, so fucking balls out, and it's just so passionate, and to watch you guys yeah. be free in that form is, it, it, it shows you, it really, it really differentiates the idea of doing something for money and doing something for the art. Right. Yeah, I, I wish we played more. We, we've been taking some time off. We, we created a new show with a lot of the 313 people that um, were just started running over at Second City called Tops and Bottoms. Mm -hmm. And this one is really getting me going because I just it's a whole new kind of medium for us. And what we do is uh, we come out on stage and we go, okay, you know, Second City's famous for creating these sketch shows. Well, we, we're going to do a sketch show for you tonight, but we don't have it planned out yet. Mm -hmm. So here's what we're going to do. We're going uh, to open up with a pile-on scene, which means it's going to start with two people. Everyone's going to enter with mm -hmm. a pile-on, whatever. What's the name of that scene? We get the suggestion right <laughs> Then we go, then we're classic Second City, we're going to do three blackouts in a row. Very short scenes. What are the names of those three? Oh. And we just basically have a board on stage, and we write out the whole running order, and we talk about what each scene is going to be. So like after those three blackouts, we'll do a credential scene, a two-person mm -hmm. relationship. It's not going to be big, broad characters. It'll be very grounded. What's that called? Uh -huh. Then we're going to blow it out with some big character piece after that. <laughs> we'll do physical. We'll do a historical period. Then we're going to do a super dirty blackout. Then we'll do a cast scene into a song, and we'll end the show. Oh. So basically... We just fill out that running order and we go, great, let's do it. Now welcome to the opening and closing night of this show that we have them name. Oh. And then we improvise our way through that running order. Mm -hmm. It is so hard. It is so challenging, but it is so gratifying when it, when it goes well. There's something know? about the balls outedness of all of that. The balls out, that, the, the balls outedness of all that. Because it sounds like old school improv uh, in an old school third act mm -hmm. main stage set. Right. You know, it really feels that way. And yet, all of, uh, who's in it? So this is going to be, this is Naima Funk, Mary Beth Monroe, Jamie Moyer. Those are the three ladies. Okay. And then the guys are Ithamar Enriquez, Matt Craig, Andy Cobb, and one other person that I'm forgetting, uh, Sam Richardson. Uh-huh. And uh -huh. myself. Right. Yeah. So look at that group of people and how it, it does, it takes such confidence to go out there, when did you get that confidence? When did you get the confidence to go, to go? I I can do this, and I know how to do this. Does that make sense? Years, I guess. You know, it's just uh, well, you know, I'm going on 20 years now improvising. Um, so I I guess somewhere around the uh, you know the after about five years, I started to feel more confident with it. And now as I get older, it's just well, you know, you just get completely fearless with it, right? You know, because you're just. You've done it so much. You've failed so much. Right. You've played every single kind of house, every kind of scene there is. Right. And so you just don't care anymore. What about that? So that idea of fail so much, how does, for me, I know lately I've been thinking about 
I don't look at I don't look at failure anymore. I don't see that anymore. Right. There's no for me. There's no. Th- is there such a thing? There is no such thing. And when I hear somebody say, I failed, or you failed, or you didn't do it right, I'm going, how could that be? Right, right. There is no such, you're right. There's no such thing as failure anymore. And it's all this, just that state of mind. It's how you look at the universe, mm-hmm. and you look at the world around you. And, and if you just keep saying, I mean, I, I'm in the same zone as you. You know, I, there's, everything happens for a reason. And everything happens, and it's a good thing. Whether you realize it in the moment or not, it is. Right. You know, I, I, I so often get, uh, get down with the amount of rejection that you face out here in Hollywood. You know, it's just... You so get I'm, down, or...? No, I, I used to get down. Okay. I used to get down. Uh-huh, right. Uh, you know, you go on 20 auditions, and you don't get any callbacks. You, you, you could feel pretty demoralized by that and just like you could feel pretty demoralized. you could it's easy to go into demoralization uh, 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 alley for sure right and you see people all the time on Facebook which is such a dangerous thing but people go on Facebook and they just complain and complain about how life is so mean to them and hard to them and bad to them and it's like you start to see from the outside like you're just in a bad zone you're 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 thinking negatively and nothing good is ever gonna happen when you think that way. right you know, so you just got to fix the way you think and look at the world. Uh, God, you got to fix the way you think and look at the world. You got to fix the way you think and look at the world because it is about fixing the way you think because the world isn't going to change. Right. You've got to change in right. your relationship to that. Right. Yeah, I mean, when people, I mean, the universe is an immovable force. <laughs> and when people think they can change the universe, mm-hmm. they're going to be they're going to be sorely mistaken and <laughs> let down incredibly. And you see people trying to just twist the universe and say, "This, I'm making this happen. You can't. You can only fix yourself and you can only go on for the ride. You know, It's like it's, the world and the, your life is going to take you where it takes you. And the more you fight it, the, more, the harder time you're going to have. You know, Stephanie Weir has a great quote in the bathroom backstage at Second City Main Stage. It's my favorite quote on the wall, and it says, bloom where you are planted. And I've always thought of that as I've moved through my life. Like, you, wherever you get planted, you're, you're the seed. You don't, you don't move. Someone throws you somewhere, and then wherever you land, just bloom. Right. That's your job. Right. Not to figure out where you're going to bloom. Just bloom. Bloom there. Yeah. And that has to do with being in the moment, because that's the moment that you're in. You can only bloom in that moment, right. at that moment. Right. And anybody, and a lot of these people that you're talking about on Facebook and, and elsewhere in the universe, and they were, they were in the universe before there was Facebook, um, <laughs> and they will continue to be in the universe when Facebook goes away. When would that be? How would that happen? Yeah. I guess people are saying that about MySpace, too. Um, but, but the idea of being right here, being right now, being aware of your right now, because the mo- I think that when people get ahead of themselves or they have that expectation, I've talked about this before, having that expectation of what this should look like, what this universe should look like, what your career should look like, what your life should look like. For me, there's no such thing. Right. It is what it is, and when you're dead, then you can take a look at all that stuff. Or later on, take a look at that stuff. Right. Right. The harder you try, the less happens. The harder you try, the less happens. That's so true. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, there's that great quote. It's in a Viola Spolin book, but it's a great quote by uh, jazz flugelhorn player, Art Farmer, yeah. and he's talking about intuition, you know, and, he, and he's just saying the harder you try, the less it's going to happen. At the best of times, it's if another power has taken over 
and you become the instrument. And it, 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 you know, I completely relate music improv to sketch Im or, or comedy improv to life right. improv. You know, I mean, right. we live our lives are improv, and all, if you just and music and music, all of it, and if you just look at the connections between all of those art forms and the connection between your life and your everyday life, it's all the same rules. And it's like if you want to have a good scene and you want to have a good life and you want to have a good jazz set, it's all the same rules. Right. It's just a different medium. It, and it's interesting, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about the people that you hang around with in 313. And, and I, because I'm, I'm a big jazz aficionado as well. I really, I, I love it so much. I listen to jazz, I listen to classical music, I listen to a little bit of pop. I mean, I love Spotify. I think that we're in a really, do you listen to that? I love it, yeah. I think we're in such an awesome fucking time right now, just in terms of music and accessibility. And that, that's a game changer for me. Mm -hmm. um, but I think about all the people that you were that you that you work with and that I work with, and it's as if I'm living when when I'm with you or when I'm at Second City. That's a song that that I'm singing. I'm singing that song, mm -hmm. and when I go to I/O, that's a different song. It's the same sort right. of rhythm, but it's a different song. Right. And when I go home, the people that we're all singing, we're, that ensemble that is my family, that's a different song as well. Mm -hmm. And you just got to know in those places, this is what it is that I'm supposed to be doing right the fuck now. Mm -hmm. and this is the music that I have to be playing right the fuck now. Right. It, and it's just awesome. Yeah. You learn so much when you get older, don't you? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it's crazy, but, you know, I, I just, I love getting older. I'm, I'm about to turn 40, and uh, I couldn't be happier. And I couldn't be happier with where I am uh, in my head, you know, because it just gets easier and easier and easier to, to understand how life works. Because, you, you know, you know how it goes. You just see the same patterns repeating themselves over and over again. And suddenly you go, wait, I, I, think I, I think I got it. I think I got this thing called life. <laughs> because you, and it's what you said, and you're lucky that you got it at 40. Yeah. Um, and uh, because you got it, you, I know you got it before you were 40. I have known you probably for eight years or something oh, like that. Oh, I, I think years? I met you in Detroit. Um, 17 years ago. <laughs> but I'm talking about getting to know you. Well, yeah, really you getting know, to like know getting you. Like getting to yeah. know you. And I feel like I always felt that when I was directing the show at Second City in 2003 or whatever that was, and you were there and you had already done a couple shows and, and, and had some great success there with the shows that you directed. I, was, I remember thinking about uh, that you got it together at that moment. You, you had it together then. I appreciate and, that. Uh, but, but, you know, to, when we're... I'm going to be... Uh, when uh, I'm, I'm struggling with this word only because I don't want to turn uh, to sound weird, but when when we're leaders, when we're directors, when we're in charge of people, there's a confidence that we get to have, mm -hmm. and there's also a, a, a surrounding ourselves with people that will not come at us when you know it's like you're wrong and why did you do that wrong mm -hmm. or whatever. We're open to all of those things, but at the core of that is a trust that we get to have with ourselves. Yeah, because. Because that is the house that I'm bringing with me all. That is that that that's the that's what I'm wearing all the time. That's the food that I'm delivering all the time. That's the nourishment that I'm giving everybody else. This openness, mm -hmm. and you had that, and that's why again when I look at the people that are in three one three, and I look at Naima, and I look at your relationship, uh, and I look at you know pictures of you and and the family, how there's always smiles that are going on there. I'm thinking that's what you bring, and there's a trust and a joy that you have. And it's infectious. 
infectious. It really is. And I think that that is, that's always been, you know, that, that's, that's something I got definitely from my mom and my dad and, uh, and, and definitely from the kids growing up in Chicago that I hung around with, you know, that, that idea of, uh, you know, A, my mom and dad were, were always just so supportive and so creative and so fun-loving and, and amazing parents and always made me feel like I was special and talented and good. And so that immediately gave me confidence growing up. And then getting in with, uh, you know, the guys on the south side of Chicago, which was a very, you know, blue-collar sort of... Catholic? Uh, Catholic, Irish Catholic. What parish did you go to? Christ the King. CK. When you stop and you think about that name. Just, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, me, George Went, Pete mm -hmm. Burns, and Tim O'Malley are all uh, Christ the King guys right. from the South Side. Yeah, no, I, I know a lot of guys who live in Burbank and who uh, uh, Marist. Yeah, they're Marist guys, and uh, but keep going. I have a brother Rice, but brother Rice, yeah, that was it. Brother that, Rice, yeah. yeah brother <laughs> but Rice. Uh, uh, you know, I think that gave me. Uh, it was very uh, athletic. I was very competitive. I learned. Uh, I learned a strong sense of being competitive and um, just having to. You know, when you're going to play basketball or football or whatever the sport is, to to be confident and to attack and to be a team member, right? And to learn ensemble and right. all that sort of stuff, and then. You know, I think that just completely influenced the way I, I lived. And, and then my third biggest influence is probably being in Boy Scouts, of all things. Were you an Eagle Scout? No, I never was an Eagle Scout. And I, and I, I could have been an Eagle Scout, but I was always a year younger than the grade I was in because my mom was a grade school teacher, so she got me in the system early. So I went to, off to college when I was 17. So I was on track to get Eagle, but once oh. I went to college, I was supposed to come back after college and, and finished my Eagle thing, and, and I was like, no way. I'm not a Boy Scout anymore. <laughs> I, I went to college. I'm done with that shit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just had some amazing uh, experiences in, in Boy Scouts, and, and probably the biggest influence was my friend, John, who ended up getting testicular cancer, and I kind of was with him in this fight, to, to beat it. And, and the doctors all said, you know, this is it. You're not going to come back from this. And he, he had this great, amazing breakthrough surgery where they, they removed all of these, you know, nodes and cancerous nodes that he had in his body. And it was like a, a miracle recovery. But this guy was my best friend growing up after, during, before, during, and after this whole cancer scare. And once he get, came out on the other side, I've never seen anybody attack life like he did. Right. I mean, he, you know, when you stare death in the face and you come out on the other side alive, you don't ever forget that experience. And, and, and it, Nor do the people that are around you. Nor did, because it affected me. Right. You know, because I thought I was going to lose my best friend at the time. And so I'm there with him crying it out and talking it out. And, and uh, Is that me or you? I'm, uh, no, it's not That's me. me. But the, um, you know, it, it, it's just, you, you realize every day is special. And like you said in, in the beginning of this conversation, it teaches you how to live in the moment. Right. And that, and, and really, everything is small potatoes, you know? If you make it. If you decide that it's small potatoes. Right. Right. And some people take so much shit so seriously and so heavy. Right. And sometimes you just have to go, this means nothing. Right. You know, it really does. And, and then again, that's what I say. Like, the older you get, the more you realize, like, how these... 
how don't like like my one of my favorite sayings is don't sweat the small stuff. Right. And I didn't get that until I got older. You know? It's so interesting because as you get older, you, 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 those phrases suddenly you stop and you go, what does that mean? Sort of like when you said about Christ, Christ the King, where you go, I really never thought about that before. <laughs> I mean, I've said it a billion times, I've never thought about that. But it is though, and, and it, one that I've mentioned uh, here before is the idea of what other people think of you is none of your business. That mm -hmm. for me was a fucking breakthrough. Yeah. Just to get that. And don't sweat the small stuff. That's another thing that you get to hold on to. These, these verbal talisman that allow you to look at something when, when you're approached with a, when you're approached with a challenge to go, okay, historically I would jump at it in this way and be ravaged, mm -hmm. but now I'm gonna stop and take a moment and look at this in a very different way to go, okay, here's an opportunity for me to take this breath and to take a look at it. Right. Right. I think that, uh, that being, um, an improviser, and certainly coming from a second city where we were, we were encouraged in a way that your folks encouraged you. Um, and that being, I accept who it is that you are, you're here, and we're going to support you, and we're going to support you in a way that you can support you as well, which is a very parental thing too. Uh, we're gonna pay for you, we're gonna pay you, uh, and we're gonna encourage you. And when, when you're given that opportunity, and it's that phrase, um, what, how, would you, how differently would you live your life if you knew that you couldn't do anything wrong? Or if everything that you could do would be successful? Then you start owning that and it becomes part of your, if you will, your DNA mm -hmm. and muscles that you use, because it's really about muscles. Mm -hmm. Muscles that you use that allow you to look at things and go, I can push through this fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I, 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 I was at a low point a couple years ago and uh, you know, I had a, I had, I had started a, 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 a uh, you know, a website and and then making comedy videos and uh, for Second City and on their YouTube page and I put everything I had into it. I know. It. I mean, I poured some of that shit was really was great. Thank you. I, 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 I mean, we we just gave everything we had, blood, sweat, and tears to it, and then it got taken away from me. Um, you know, about a year ago, and and. Uh, I was really depressed, and I was really I, I I thought that I had done something wrong, and mm -hmm. I felt like I was I was unfair, and the world was out to get me, and I, right. and then you know Larry Campbell, who's in the three one three, gave me the probably the best advice ever because at the time you know Naima was four months pregnant, mm -hmm. we had a three year old, and all of a sudden my job was gone, you know, and. I was shitting my pants, right? you know? And Larry said to me, he goes, Josh, man, I've known you for 20 years. You have always been fine. You've always, <laughs> you've never ever ended up dissolute in the street in a gutter, you know, with no money and nowhere to go and nothing. It's not gonna happen now. You're, something is gonna happen, you're gonna figure it out and something will come around. You'll be fine. You've always been fine. If you look at the odds, the odds are you're going to persevere. Right. And it was like, oh my God, you're right, Larry. Right. I have always been fine. I've never been, I've never had, I've never been to a point where I'm like, I should just join the military because I got nothing. <laughs> you know? uh, and uh, he was right. And, and then lo and behold, you know, like right after that one door closed, another door opened with Jim Belushi. Right. And it just started this whole other 
big career for me. Right. Of, you know, doing that. Right. And then at the same time, then another door opened me with Key and Peele. And, and so... What are you doing there? I do all the music for the for Key and Peele on, on Comedy Central. Oh. So those... That's been three seasons worth of work, and it's been... It's been great because it, it just it goes to show you you know like you, you think you think it's the end of the world or you think something is a really a bad thing and it really turns out to be a good thing. And I think the the, the key verb there is think because mm-hmm. what ends up happening is you 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 get into a think hole if you yeah. will you know and that think hole just fucks you up right. because Larry's of course Larry's right and we and we've proven it but there's. The odds, and what you were saying, the odds are that you are going to succeed. Yeah. You are going to persevere. You are going to move forward. You are going to continue doing what it is that you're, spo- that you're supposed to be doing. Not supposed to be. You are going to continue doing what it is that you're doing. Right. And you are going to grow. And it is that closing a door and opening a window, but it's also opening yourself up to is a different way of saying it, opening yourself up to those other possibilities so other people can see you get the fuck out of that room at Second City mm-hmm. and to open yourself up to those things that are coming at you that have nothing to do with Second City. Right. And I say that with love, Mark, because I love the place. Right. But it's that time where you go, and, and, it's, and it's the idea of <laughs> when the universe tells you to clean out your locker and you don't, it's going to be cleaned out. <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's exactly it. You just have to accept it as quickly as possible. You know? Did you feel that you were ready to move on? Absolutely. Looking back on it. I mean, looking back on it, I wanted to move on. <laughs> I just wanted it to be on my terms, you know. And, and it's totally a pride thing, you know. Right. I mean, it, it really was nothing more than that. And, right. And, and I was burnt out, honestly. You yeah. Know? I did it. I mean, we made three videos a week for two years straight. With zero budget, I so, couldn't believe it, Josh. When I was looking at that, I was thinking, "What's the output here?" And it also, and 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 in that, it was taken away because it wasn't just taken away from you; it was taken away from all those other people that were part of them. Taken away, it moved on. Whatever, it, moved, it wasn't yeah. taken away. But because uh, you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like oh, I was horrible. What happened? But Andy left, right? I mean, Andy was part of that too, right? Yeah, yeah. Andy we all got, got. We all. But Andy, now look at what Andy's doing now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, you know, we, we, we persevere. And I think what's so crazy about, you know, for anybody out there who's, like, thinking about having a career in the arts, you know, I think what's so difficult about being an artist and, and make, turning it into a career uh-huh. is that <clears throat> being an artist inherently means that you, you're not totally organized, you know? <laughs> that you're kind of a, a free thinker and you don't necessarily understand budgets and money and timetables and business, you know? I certainly don't know anything about business. I, I mean, I, I graduated college with a musical theater degree, mm-hmm. you know? I studied tap dancing and, you know, <laughs> opera. So what, what do I know about balancing a checkbook or, right. or, you know, how to pay the rent every month? But I think that it's so... The challenge for everybody is saying, okay, I'm, I'm a very creative person and I want to turn this into my life and I want to turn this into my career. I just have to f- now figure out how to freelance, right. how to not have a steady job all the time, how to, how to trust right. that I have a job now. I'm not going to have it in a week. Right. What am I going to do then? Or I, I have a job now. I have a job now. I'm going to have another job 
Yeah, right now I say that. But right. but yeah, but but there's also what because I'm I'm hearing you in the moment that you said trust, right? Something you lit up, and in your lighting up, what what ended up happening was you stopped saying the not and can't and won't, mm -hmm. and you started saying what you could do, right? Because it is all about that. And the more that you concentrate on, I'm not going to work, and I'm you know you're, there's going to be periods where you're not going to work, which is true. But to also say, and it goes back to what Larry is saying, there's also going to be you're you're going to work, right? Yeah, because it's not that you're not going to work and nobody wants to be a not actor. Somebody wants to be an actor. So as long as we're doing that, let's start. Let's continue to think we are going to work. Right. Because you always have worked. Exactly. And I think that's why I, I you know, I said earlier, like, I'm so glad I waited to have kids later in life mm -hmm. because the added responsibility of supporting a family can really put that to the test. Right. Because <laughs> you're like, I, all right, if I'm single and I'm just, you know, supporting myself, I can really just go, you know what, I trust something's going to happen. Right. But when you're right. like, all right, well, I got I got four people that are trusting me right now and, and I better really get this gig that I don't know is going to happen. Right. But I feel like I'm in a zone now where I can handle it. You know, it's You can handle what? I can just, I can handle trusting the future right. and trusting my career and right. trusting my abilities and talents. Mm -hmm. And same with Naima's career and her abilities and talents. And I think the two of us together, you know, we're, you know, having a family out here in LA as, and we're both freelance artists, it's a leap of faith. Right. It really is. Every day is a leap of faith. And uh, I, you know, I feel great about it. <laughs> Just, I feel great about it too, yeah. and it, it's all of us going into that situation of saying, "I'm going to, I'm going to continue to feel great about this. I am going to feel great about this, because it is going to work out." And it's also another thing is, and I've mentioned this before, no one knows what it is that they're going to do. And when you said part of being an artist, when you recognize that you're going to be an artist, you realize you're that you're an artist. Not going to be. When you recognize that you're an artist, when you realize that you're an artist, is that disjointedness? Mm -hmm. Is that how did you put it? Uh, uh, just, uh, a free mind. I mean, you're just... Yeah. You're just... I mean, in that free mind where you're not... Where it's like you don't know how to do this, you don't know how to do that. That's part of you being an artist. And that means that you're open to a lot of challenge, uh, channels and avenues that you're going to go down because that's part of what it is that we're doing. We're letting go of the... the um, we're letting go of that structure that is the 9 to 5 structure. Right. Yeah, and I wouldn't want it any other way, you know? I mean, I, 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 I go back and I look at, at what my other options are in life and, and finding a job like that and sitting at a desk going to 9 to 5. I mean, there is some comfort in the stability, but that's not me. Right. I can't. My, my brain and my soul couldn't exist in that environment, right. you know? So <clears throat> the more, you know, the more I in my life have gotten... Uh, not resentful, but just started to go, God, I wish I had just a normal life and a normal job. And I just, I didn't have to worry every week about where my next paycheck is coming from. I really, I really wouldn't have it any other way. It's impossible. You know? when, I, when, I real, when, I, when I do that, because I do go down that street as well, when I do, that's a very, 
It's a very short street. Yeah. Like I'll drive down that street and I'll go, damn, I wish that I was like, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> that was quick. Exactly. <laughs> right. Where you go, I'm going to, because I always think about, okay, can I drive down this street longer than I have before? The street of the fantasy, because it really is a fantasy. The fantasy of nine to five job. And, and I don't, I really don't get past the first half block. Right. Because I don't. I don't know what that is, and I don't know how to do that. Well, I think you you get to a certain point, and, and, and like right now, I have a good friend who who gave up on being a creative person and did exactly what we're talking about. Was mm -hmm. like, you know what? Screw the business. I'm getting a nine to five. I'm just going to do that and, and forget about it. And it's been a year and a half now. He's had this job, and he cannot wait to get out of it. I mean, he's just he he. And which is good for him because I think he, he really realizes who he is as a person. Like, I am not this person. I cannot exist in this world. And I think, you know, some of us go that far down the street where we actually try it. And it's just like, yep, no, I can't do it. But I, I, part of life is realizing how you operate, how, how what your brain is, what your soul is. And... You know, it, again, it, it comes with age. It comes with, you know, having... Well, practice. The, fr the fact mm -hmm. that, that your friend realized what it was that you just mentioned. Your friend realized, like, what, what, what is the reason, what is one of the reasons that he's here? Mm -hmm. And the reason that he's here is to be that other soul, to play that out. But in order for him to play that out, he's got to play out this part of the 9 to 5 guy in that, in that uniform. Yeah. So he's, in order to know what he's not, he's got to do what he isn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. In order to know what he is, he's got to do what he isn't. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think the, the really, uh, the lesson to be learned from all of this is follow your bliss. Right. You know, you've got to find out what makes you happy, what is fulfilling to you, and you have to constantly follow that. And if you find out, discover what makes you happy. Right. Right. Because you keep following it. And it's what we were talking about earlier, that idea of you going when you were younger or even, I mean, for me now, um, where I'm going, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to do that. That's interesting. I'm going to do that. That's interesting. I'm going to do that. interesting. I'm going to do that. And that's me following my bliss, which has taken me away from getting phone calls from my agents, going on those auditions. Right. Because that is not, that, that wasn't. Your bliss. That's not my bliss. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I was looking at a more poetic way of saying that, or a different way of saying that, but that's exactly it. That's not my bliss. Yeah. My bliss. I get my own bliss. You know, I get to live my own bliss. And, God, that word. Yeah. You, I mean, you have a great life. I, I mean, you get to travel all over the country and teach these workshops and work with all these <clears throat> students that inspire. I right. mean, they, they just... Because I'm a teacher too, so I, I, I under and my parents were both teachers, and mm -hmm. it just runs in the family. Naima's, uh, Naima's parents are both teachers, right? Right. <clears throat> and uh, you know, there I I genuinely love teaching. I know that there's some artists out there, that the performers, are like oh, I, I hate teaching. I love it. I love working with people and inspiring them, and showing them, and opening doors for them, and and seeing people like have epiphanies right, you know there's nothing so greater in the world um so I, I i can totally get where you're at with the you know your bliss and what you love to do and what and how you get off creatively because 
And then, and, and then I, I assume you get an opportunity to perform then for them, those, those students every time you travel. And right. Well, all the, all the classes are performances just in themselves. And I'm right. doing my bit, you know, the Dave Rosowski bit. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to, I mentioned this, it goes back to I get paid to be who I am. And that's what we all get paid to be who we are. I get to be, I get paid. Somebody, people have been saying this about me, that you're a product. You're a, you know, you're, you're a product. And, and I, it's like, oh, I guess I'm a product, whatever that means. But this is who it is that I am. And yes, I'm performing all the time, but I'm also performing all the time as well. I'm performing when I'm teaching, but I'm also trying to get as much performing in as I can with people that have never had an opportunity to play with me, and I've never had an opportunity to play with them. Because it is living that life. Right. But I'm single, man. I am single. And that's a very different, my bliss, your bliss has changed. Yeah. Or your bliss, it hasn't changed. It's increased in a yeah. different way. Well, yeah. I mean, now my career is secondary. Right. You know, and my, my kids and my family are my number one priority. They are truly my, my main bliss. Right. I mean, just coming home and, and seeing their faces and taking care of them and all the ups and the downs and the changing of diapers and the, and the going out to the zoo and whatever. It, it's just... It's so fulfilling, and, and, and it makes me just feel like this whole new chapter of my life is beginning, and I'm so excited about it. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's a balancing act now, because it's it certainly, you know, <clears throat> I love my art, I love my family, mm -hmm. um, and uh, always trying to, you know, find the balance. Right. And, and a two-artist family as well. A two-artist family, yeah. Actually, four. A four artist because they're already into it. I mean, <laughs> right. it's so I, I I feel like we've we're paving the path for them. But she, Ziza already is grab. She's got a microphone. She sings in the living room and puts on shows. And Mose is ten months old and he can't. We already got a little piano for him because he can't stop playing the piano. And they're gonna be artists whether they, they like are. it or not. <laughs> I mean, it's just there's there's no choice. Um, art. Uh, so you're you're still playing music, and I uh, you're still playing music, and I saw a picture of you and Naima at the um, the Detroit uh, behalf of the laugh. What's that? Yeah, last night the D Detroit Creativity Project. Creativity Project. What's that? Mark Evan Jackson. <clears throat> um, he's Mark Evan Jackson is kind of spearheading it, but it, it's uh, it's a it's a um, uh, they raise money to bring um, improv to public schools in Detroit. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we all in the 313 got our career started in Detroit, and so this is, you know, a, definitely a way of trying to give back to the community that brought us up. And, right. and you too, you, you had a great uh, hand in, in, in that beginning of Detroit improv scene. Right. But, uh, you know, things are really bad in Detroit right now, and, and especially in the public school systems, and they've just pulled so much out, and there's just, uh, there's no resources, and there's no tax base. Well, the fact that they're, they're talking about selling off the Detroit Institute of Art, uh, yeah. all, all, like, the paintings there, and the, and, and, and the pieces there, because I go there, and there's still, this is going to sound so corny, but there's still such a vibe, there's still... I'm sorry, not still. There's a vibrant heartbeat there. There's such a vibrant heartbeat there. And a creative, a, a creative community that would just compares to every, any major city in the country. And I think what, when I lived in Detroit for a long time, and what I noticed is 
you know, when you live in Detroit, there's not a lot of things to do outside. Right. You know, right. You, outside you, being the weather outside. Outside being, you know, I could either, you know, get shot or get mugged or, you know, like those are my options. Go to the park and get shot. Go to the zoo and get shot. I don't know what I'm going to do today. But, but, you know, when we live there, it's not like you're going to walk around the neighborhood, you right. know, out of Cass Corridor. Right. Uh, it just wasn't that kind of city. I mean, right. you, you had to get in your car and drive. 45 minutes to, to go somewhere where you felt like, oh, I can actually walk around and I feel safe. <clears throat> so what ends up happening inevitably to all the people in Detroit is that they stay inside and they create and create and create and create. I mean, you write, you, you, you come up with ideas, you write screenplays, but you know, I, I definitely think it's one of those uh, cities where the, the situation that you land in forces you to be creative because you have nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. Now, if I lived in, you know, like I live right now in Los Angeles, I have so many excuses to not create. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll go to play golf, I'll go to the ocean, I'll go out to the mountains, I'll go out and walk around the neighborhood or something like that. It's just beautiful right. all the time. Right. And, and I'll put that screenplay off another week. Right. <clears throat> so, you know, I guess it would be like the difference between going to college in Malibu versus going to college in University of Detroit. You know, you're right. actually going to get work done at University of Detroit. <laughs> I don't know how much work I get done in Malibu. I, that idea of form follows function, the idea that your environment and the, the pressure that you're, and I say pressure not necessarily negative, but the pressure that your environment pushes upon you causes you to create in a certain way that's uh, organic to that environment. That's mm-hmm. what you're saying. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and, and the idea of being out here, because uh, I, I just love being out here and I love my apartment. I love this place and I feel very creatively, I, I always feel very creative in this space. Mm-hmm. And it's a space that I've created. And it's the universe that I've created because I kept saying yes to all those things. Mm-hmm. And it's also my friends that are out here too that are doing the same thing. And it is that community. And I feel like anybody who's in a place where they're not being creatively, um, again, this word challenged, but it's not a negative thing, creatively challenged, needs to go to a place where they're going to be creatively challenged or at least to start thinking about your options of that. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Because what what happened, you know, when they when when Second City uh, got rid of the video, it went somewhere else, didn't it? Yeah, they do it all in Chicago. They now. It, it didn't go away. Right. They just moved it. Right. So. Because when that happens, for us to know that the community is going to take care of us, mm-hmm. and that's what's happening in Detroit too. Right. It seems like the community is going to be taking care of us, uh, taking care of them. And when I go there, I'm just I'm flabbergasted at the the uh, the depth of the talent that is there in Detroit. Yeah. Um, because it, Detroit used to be, like, operas used to come there before they would hit the road. Wouldn't they do, like, they would... they do a lot of, pre- yeah, a lot of off-Broadway stuff in, in Detroit, a lot of previews and stuff. It, it's really an amazing, amazing city, amazing It's a community. beautiful city, too. Yeah, it really is. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, and actually, things aren't so bad as they come across in the national news. I mean... We just went to Detroit, and it, it, the downtown is is much more vibrant than it was when I lived there 15 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and there there is there are some pretty amazing new buildings going up, and new housing complexes going up, and they just got to. I mean, you know, Kwame's going to jail now. I mean, if your For mayor is that time. corrupt, right? And, and For really a lot, like 20 years, the city, 20 years or something. Yeah, like he's going away for a long time. A long time. I mean, you, it takes a while to recover from that. You know, <laughs> but I'll recover from the the corruption. 
All the corruption. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, right. And or, or the 20 years in jail. It takes well, a long that, time well, to recover. Well, I don't care about him and how <laughs> right. he's going to recover. Whatever. <laughs> that guy screwed that city even more than it was already screwed. But, uh, you know, hopefully now I, I feel like people are, are going to, hopefully the state of Michigan is going to help Detroit and, and, and pick itself up. And, and I'm so surprised at, at the conservativeness of that state. It's uh, weird, isn't it? It really is weird because, but then again, you know, you got your Detroit, which is not Michigan. You got your Austin, which is not Texas. You know, like yeah. You know, I think the the history of Michigan, which you probably know, is that you know be, during that Industrial Revolution, you know, they brought the workforce from the South. Right. So a lot of Michigan are people that are families and lineage that come from the Southern states, and so it's this really weird state that has a mixture of Northern and Southern and red and blue, uh, you know, ideologies and. Uh, that's why it's always like a, one of those swing states, you know. You never know. Wisconsin where it's seems go. the same way, but Wisconsin also—I don't know—but Wisconsin, I'm so surprised that uh, that Scott Walker that they have the the governor over there, and I'm yeah. surprised that how anti-union it's become. Yeah, isn't that weird? It's very weird, but you know, again, looking back and saying, if if I want to go and if I want to think about, oh, we live in such a, a down, such a fucked up time right now, that's not true. Right. It's just a transition. Right. We're never in a room. We're always in a hallway. You know, we're always on our way to somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when, when we get stuck somewhere, in, because we get stuck in thought. When we get stuck in thought, all creative process stops. When you start to get cynical about something, all creative process stops. And we need a shakeup. Like you needed that shakeup, and when I left Second City, I needed that shakeup too. And that shakeup moved me in a way that I never thought it would be. That uh, changed me in a way that I never thought it would be possible. And how beautiful that was. Yeah. How so? What was your What was your epiphany after that? I will. The universe will take care of me. <clears throat> yeah. It's exactly the same epiphany, Josh. Yeah. That the universe will take care of me, and not, and not just take care of me like oh, you know, lick my lick my wounds, hey baby. <laughs> not just lick my wounds, but also because that I'm entitled to a little of that. But also the idea of I'm on this earth not to live in this space, but to live in space. Yeah. And when I say not to live in this space, what I mean is whatever it was that Second City is, I love that place. And I never, ever think negative about it at all. What I think is they, had, they gave me wings. And you were part of that, too. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does now. Now that, I, now that I've, I, I've, I'm older and I've experienced so much more, I think that... Uh, you know, <clears throat> I agree with everything you're saying. And... and my life is so, uh, I didn't think of it at the time when, when it happened to me. Of course, I went, I went through, you know, a couple months of getting down on myself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you, but you're entitled to that. That's part of the process. Part of the process. And, and I think that a lot of people go, I got to get out of this. I'm, I'm down. I got to get out of this. Like, you're going to get out of it. Yeah. You're going to get out of it. You just got to wait. It really took a full year. It's not Honestly, waiting. It's, it's not waiting. I'm going to get back to that. Yeah. It's not waiting. It's going through it because you're not waiting. You're processing it. Right. And it took you a year to get through it. Okay. Good. Yeah. I, I mean, I really, I, I feel like I was starting to get over it, but it, until I really got rid of the resentment and the hate, it took a, a full year. Right. I mean, I can, I can remember like, my life was so crazy. And with, with the kids and with the family and with work and with running around, I, I don't have time to think. 
And the only time I have time to think is when I'm in the shower. Mm -hmm. And I always notice, like, whatever I'm thinking about in the shower, that's really how I feel. Mm -hmm. And so I would always, I would the whole day be distracted with things and then I would take a shower and I'd be so angry in the shower all the time. And I'm like, why am I always angry in the shower? And it's because I have no distractions. I'm naked. I'm, I'm just naked right now, like, you know, literally and figuratively, and I'm, I'm finding myself being And angry. you're also cleaning yourself. And I'm cleaning myself. Right. <laughs> and I'm pissed off about right. it. <laughs> and uh, now I take showers and I'm not angry anymore. Right. <laughs> Which is a good sign. Right. You know? I find that uh, when I take a shower and I'm lost in thought, I forget what I've washed. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> and then you really think, well, I might as well do it twice. <laughs> You never know. You can always forget. Um, okay, let's stop there. All right. That was really good. Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDCOMEDY at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDCOMEDY.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rozowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rozowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrozowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.